It's okay to have a drink while we're down here because we're still working. Is he running now? He is running. Hey, welcome back Screen Crush, I'm Ryan Erie, and let's talk about Loki Season 2, Episode 2. Now this season is not really generating the kind of fan buzz that we saw two years ago with Season 1, but that doesn't mean it's bad. In fact, I think the show could even end up topping Season 1. Now I got some thoughts on this episode I can't wait to tell you about, and a little later, I want to hear from the Screen Crush Brain Trust, Colton Ogburn and Brianna McLarty. Plus, I got a theory that Sylvie might become the very thing she hates the most that I'm going to talk about a little bit later on. I cannot wait to give you my take in these theories, but first, I just have to thank everybody for supporting our channel and shopping our Loki-inspired merch at our merch store at ScreenCrushMerch.com. We have the Screen Crush variant hoodie, the usual variants t-shirt, Doug as Loki, Miss Minutes as Dolly Clock, and lots of geeky merch that we design ourselves. This is the best way for you to directly support our channel. Thank you for making this a success. Now, I thought this episode was a little bit of a step down from the premiere. Like, the premiere just nailed it for me. We had that amazing season one cliffhanger that we've been theorizing about for years, and I thought that episode one delivered on that and teased all these new mysteries. And the pace of that first episode was so manic. There was like a literal ticking clock. The TVA was about to be destroyed. Loki was being jerked through time. And it also introduced my new favorite character, OB. Have you heard about how if you fall into a black hole, you turn into spaghetti? No. Good. The less you know about that, the better. Whereas the stakes in this episode were a lot less clear. We started off on this mission to find X5, but then they had to explain why they were even looking for X5. You will tell us if you found Sylvie when you've had time in holding. It felt like we missed something between these two episodes. Like, am I alone here, or did anyone else not quite get why they were looking for Sylvie and Brad? Personally, I think they could have had the timelines being pruned, like at the start of the episode, to add a bit more suspense and give the episode a little more drive. Yeah, I mean, but the show started with an action scene. Yeah, and you know what? The Brad foot chase was pretty good, and it was really fun to see Loki finally get to use his powers. But where I think this episode really excelled was its character development. Like, there's been a lot of talk lately about how Marvel shows haven't been struck structured like normal TV shows. They've been structured like long movies that get cut up into pieces. And I think that WandaVision and Loki have been the exceptions to this rule. So this episode gives us kind of a typical TV episode, The Breather. Breathers are episodes where characters kind of step back and take stock of what the hell just happened. That escalated quickly. In Game of Thrones, we usually get these episodes like around a big event like the Red Wedding or the Long Night. I can never be Lord of Winterfell. I can never be Lord of anything. I'm the Three-Eyed Raven. I don't know what that means. So this episode lets us sit back and really look at how much these characters have changed since the first season. Like Loki is a completely different character from who he was in episode one. The first and most oppressive lie ever rotted was the song of freedom. There are lives at stake. And the show is really making him face this question. Can he change? Can this villain who always wanted to be a hero actually become a hero? And Mobius has become the most tragic character in the show. He went from being a sycophant for the timekeepers. Existence is chaos. And I'm just lucky that the chaos I emerged into gave me all this to wanting to have just a glimpse of his old life. Who had a jet ski? And now he's reverted. He's afraid of his old life. I mean, don't you want to see the life you're supposed to live before they kidnapped you and brought you into the TVA? Not really. So much of this show really shines when they give these incredible actors space to breathe and really embody these characters. Hey person, what's that candy you're eating? Well boss, this is not candy. This is a chocolatey peanut butter treat from Magic Spoon. They're the sponsor of this video. So lately I've been eating these new protein packed treats from Magic Spoon. Like they're great for whenever 
whenever I want a snack, or they're also really good for like a post-workout because each bar has 11 grams of protein, just one gram of sugar, one to two grams of net carbs, and only 130 calories. So they are a perfect snack for a reluctant grown-up like myself. Now, my favorite is actually this one, the chocolate peanut butter, but the marshmallow one is also pretty great. I thought Magic Spoon made cereal. Oh, dude, they do. Like, Magic Spoon makes great cereal. In fact, it tastes like all my favorite cereals from my childhood, but it has no gluten, no soy, and there are zero grams of sugar. But most importantly, it tastes so good. Mmm. Oh, so Magic Spoon fulfills your need for childlike nostalgia while also engaging with you on an adult level. Exactly, just like our channel. But mostly, guys, it's just fun. Like, we may be grown-ups, but be the grown-up you wanted to be when you were a kid. Eat tasty treats and watch Marvel shows. So, Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it is backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So, if it's not for you, they'll refund your money and you can part ways as friends. So, click our link below or scan the QR code on screen right now and use the code SCREENCRUSH for $5 off your Magic Spoon order and try out these excellent, brand-new, high-protein treats. Or, go to magicspoon.com slash screencrush today. Now, Back to what I was saying. So like Sylvie and Loki still have this chemistry and all of this backstory and the actors have like layered all of these different emotions perfectly. And I loved how this episode really changed Sylvie's dynamic as well. For her entire life she has always had her mission and now she's enjoying not having anything to do. She's working in fast food for the same reason Lester Burnham did. I'm looking for the least possible amount of responsibility. Like I feel like episode one set the literal stakes for this season. We're counting down to the destruction of the TVA. Multiversal war is coming soon. But this episode episode really set the character stakes. Loki is wondering if he can be a hero. You're a villain. Mobius has to face his fear of happiness, and Sylvie has to overcome her cynicism and help to create a better TVA instead of just working to destroy the TVA. I mean, she has spent her entire life in dying worlds, and now she actually has a chance to live. So the character stuff, great. Some of the actual episode, not great. Like, a lot of the fight choreography here was just kind of meh. Like, there were some very imaginative parts of the foot chase that, you know, would have been written on the page, like Loki doing duplication casting Londoners to distract Brad, or like how he created shadows of his Loki horns, but the fight against Dox's people was pretty bland. Well, what do you mean? Okay, well like, so Loki says, I'll distract him. But instead of like duplication casting or creating illusions of a larger army, he just runs in and attacks. Like I feel like this sequence could have been so much fun. Look, you got two space wizards, Owen Wilson, and a bunch of time traveling cops with time gear. But instead the fight just kind of felt rushed and cheap and it was unimaginative in its execution. Now if this fight had been in a Marvel movie, it would have been an epic Guardians hallway fight. Here it was just something that we had to get done fast so we could get to the end of the episode. But the next scene was stellar. When all of these timelines are being erased, these actors can really bring it home. Wanmi Musaku as Hunter B-15 sells this scene. I mean, guys, look, this screen, it's just missile command. It's 8-bit lines on a TV screen. But the anguish in her face makes you feel those lives being lost, the birthdays that never happen, the pets that never get adopted. It's a riveting performance. In the Easter egg video, I compared it to Princess Leia watching Alderaan be destroyed. Sometimes you don't need, like, expensive visual effects showing people dying and cities burning. The human emotion of a great actor is enough. Now, the big question I have, though, is who warned Docs? In our Easter egg video, I theorized that it was time-traveling Mobius, but I got another theory that I think is even more likely, and I think it completes Sylvie's arc for this season. But I'm gonna get the thoughts of the Screen Crush Brain Trust. We have our own Brianna McLarty and Colton Ogburn. Colton, what about you? Did this episode do it for you? Like, or was this, like, kind of a step back from that premiere? Well, I mean, it was certainly slower, but I, I, I think that was the point, and it, it this season actually feels like a television show just like season one did we've talked about before how mm. some marvel shows and star wars shows on disney plus they feel like chopped up movies i feel like loki has always handled that well if you look at a lot of um shows kind of in this genre like walking dead 
their season premieres would be really big, and then season two was, uh, and then episode two of that season would be slower, more character development, and that's what they did with this episode. I love uh, that you mentioned the pie scene. I see, like in a movie, that's something you wouldn't necessarily have time for, especially a Marvel movie. So I love that they're telling these stories in a TV show format because we got to experience more of like what's going on with Mobius and stuff like that. Um, like, so actually like when I started this episode, I, I thought I might've like missed an episode or something with how it just <laughs> jumps too. into yeah. it with like Brad Wolf and X five. I was like, am I missing something here? Did, was there a time jump that I missed like a, another post credit scene or something? Because it appears that X five that that's the agent's name, right? I'm getting that right. Mm -hmm. uh, he, he, he's been on earth. He becomes Brad Wolf. He's undercover. He's got a movie coming out. Has he just like experienced time longer? What, what was y'all's take on that? And then they come and find him. I don't. Well, he's been on the timeline, you know, he's like, been separate from the TVA. So I think he's been on earth for a while doing this, you know, it's like, like longer, Sylvie has too. Yeah. Like longer compared to perhaps what has passed in the TVA, I guess. Um, yeah. But overall, is, I, it's like, I, it's like a, the, in a good place, the Jeremy Baramies, it's like time just works yeah. different there and you don't. Yeah. Yeah. But overall, I enjoyed the episode. I loved getting to see more of Mobius. I loved that scene where he snapped. I thought that was really cool. Owen Wilson, very talented actor. I mean, for most of his career, you know, he's done like the, the comedy movies and stuff. So getting to see him really get to delve into this character was really neat. I love OB. He's probably my favorite part of the show. By far. Yeah. Yeah. And then just one more thing on confusion, because I'm, I'm wanting you guys to maybe help explain it to me. Did you notice when they would go like to a different timeline, it would say sacred timeline or branch yep. timeline? Yep. We've talked about before various timelines in the sacred time. I was under the impression the sacred timeline was destroyed. And, you know, so how all that is working, if I'm confused, I, I can only imagine that a casual viewer may be confused or maybe they're not giving it as much thought as I am. So, Brianna, you're somebody like I know you love WandaVision. Uh, it's one of your favorite MCU things ever. Uh, you know, we've talked about Loki season one before. You, you liked Loki season one. How is this season and this episode in particular working for you? Um, I definitely like it. I think I I had kind of subconsciously lowered my expectations because of secret invasion honestly i was like nervous and i was like i'm just not gonna go in expecting a lot um i really like it it's not quite where the first season was for me um i think it's i think it's had a bit of a harder job to pull off in the first season because it was kind of coming in with all this baggage and i just think the story is kind of inherently more confusing um mm -hmm. so i and i feel like the pacing of the episodes have been a little weird it went from like being really really fast in the first episode which i actually liked because i felt like it matched where they were um and i feel like this episode was a lot slower and it just it's not that i didn't like the pacing it just caught me off guard to do such a big switch but it's definitely the most enjoyable show for me in a long time to come out of marvel it doesn't beat wandavision i don't think anything will <laughs> i just love that show so much but i am really enjoying it yeah, I mean, when you compare it, we did a video uh, just earlier this week about Loki's extremely slow start. Uh, I know numbers came out later. Disney Plus said it's one of the highest premieres of all time, but people didn't watch it right away, and I think Secret Invasion turned a lot of people off. It's interesting you mentioned the pacing, like I was talking about earlier. Did you feel like this episode helped us dive into the characters a bit more than the first one? I do. I think that it was needed for it to slow down. I think it just slowed down really fast. Um, I don't think it's realistic to have a show that is as fast paced as the first episode was the entire time i think it would get like really overwhelming as it was i had a lot of people be like 
I didn't know what was happening. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think that it helped us sort of get our bearings. I just, again, I feel like I would have liked a little bit more of a gradual decrease, uh, just so it wouldn't be quite so jarring to go from episode one to episode two. Yeah, I agree, because the stakes were very clear in episode one. This episode uh, seemed to be all over the place. But, you know, like I did talk about earlier, I do think that it did give us a bit more... It really did a good job of diving into character. Do you feel like um, for after this, are do you feel like you know these characters a little bit better, or do you think you already kind of like knew this and the episode kind of just spun its wheels? Uh, I think I definitely know M- Mobius better, especially like I think I really understand mm. where he is with this a lot better than I did before. I felt like their little pie scene was an amazing scene, um, and honestly, kind of raises some like really big existential questions. It's sort of like the at the end of Multiverse of Madness, when Doctor Strange asks Wong, are you happy knowing that there might be Mm. versions of you that are happier? Like, I actually really loved Mm. that. The character I'm a little confused on right now is actually Sylvie, um, just because she kind of went from such a warrior to now almost like a domestic, very calm life. And I do understand that's like what she's wanted. But it doesn't necessarily seem like totally realistic to me that she could just go from like 100 to zero. Um, And I think at the end, we're kind of seeing she's not going to. Yeah, and I think so, too. And I got a theory later on about like what Sylvie's role is going to play. And it's something I think is extremely unexpected um, that when you look at the tapestry of Loki makes a lot of sense. And it's actually going to help her live up to her uh, her villain nature in the comics where she's kind of based on the Enchantress. Uh, I do just I have to chime in on the pie scene real quick because I also want to point out that was a great companion to the other times when Mobius and Loki have truly bonded. Uh, the first time was when Loki was showing him the apocalypses and like throwing stuff, like ruining his lunch. But then they had this wonderful conversation, I think it was in episode two as well, last season, about free will, um, about the timekeepers being real and all this stuff that really set the theme for the entire season. And Brianna, I thought what you said was so brilliant and on point that that conversation uh, in Doctor Strange also mirrors this. I mean, every multiverse story starts with what if it's you wondering what if i did this what if I, there's mr destiny it's a wonderful life all these movies have been made about that and for mobius to see that possibility and just be afraid it's really vulnerable and if you think about last season he was angry what if i had a jet ski like he feels cheated and now to see him retreat he's, he's such a great character and he was supposed to just be this like random TVA worker, you know, in season one. Um, do you guys think that they're doing a good job of like building on this season? Like, did you feel like from Loki, we're now getting, you know, the first episode last season had to be like, well, Loki is a villain. And in one episode, they had to turn him into a kind of hero. Do you get the feeling he's a different guy now? Like, is, this, is he the most dynamic Marvel character, Brianna? Um, I think he's definitely up there. I think that to basically go, especially from 2012 Loki, who was like really villainous and really bitter, like um, very different from sort of like even the Loki we see like later in like Ragnarok. Um, I think he's definitely one of the most dynamic characters. He's up there with like Nebula for me in terms of like great arcs. Mm. Um, And it's awesome to see him like this. And I really think it's, I think one of the most interesting things about his character now is even though he's still kind of morally dubious, which I think is a lot of fun, 
he is worried about the greater good. Like, that is his mm-hmm. concern. It's this concern at the end of season one where he's like, what if he's right? Like, what if this is going to, like, cause a giant multiversal war and kill tons of people? And he's still worried about that, which is not something that Avengers Loki would have been... Like, he wanted to do that. He says that. He's like, I threw a man off a building because my emotions mm-hmm. got the better of me. And so I think it's super cool to see this change. And it didn't feel rushed to me. Like, this feels very natural. I haven't felt like, oh they just kind of changed him really quick having like the build up front of season one to now it works for me and i like that they like still kept him a little like mischievous like i like that it would have been i'm glad he didn't just become like a straight line more of a showman you know putting the horns uh on the shadows even though he was the only person who could see the shadows you know there's little (laughs) touches like that and also like the first episode of the series he says i put on this show for people you know like he kind of gets stripped down to his like base essential elements in a way but you did touch on this thing about he cares about the timeline the multiverse which gets back to what colton said about this being confusing if you're watching this and you're confused it's okay this is very confusing the sacred timeline is very confusing we had to ask michael screen crush had to ask michael waldron uh the writer on of loki season one what the hell it even means how could you have different variations and stuff like that colton what i'm seeing here is the sacred timeline still exists and then all these branches come off of the sacred timeline. So technically, they don't care about maintaining the sacred timeline, but that root timeline, which is 616, has all these different ones splintering off from it. Um, the interesting thing that um, I talked about in a social video, and by the way, if you're not following us on socials, TikTok, Instagram, we always make videos on there that we don't post here on the YouTube channel. Um, I did point out, though, that it does say 616 point, for, and then you know, number, 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 for all those other timelines, which probably means that 838, is a different timeline, you know, like that opens up a whole weird, confusing mess about things, which gets into what I want to talk about next is, is the damn show, is the multiverse saga too confusing? They've tried to do this visual aid for us to like show timelines as like white branches and we saw the same visuals in Spider-Man, Spider-Verse and No Way Home, but is it just too damn confusing, Brianna? Can pe- are people going to be able to follow this in middle America? <sighs> I think it is pretty confusing. I, I mean, some of it, I think, is overthinking. It makes it worse. Like, we, I just kind of take what they're giving me, and I don't think too much about, like, the intricacies, because then I start to get really confused. Um, I honestly, I don't know if anyone else has seen this, but, like, six days ago, Marvel Entertainment put out, like, a little graphic with Miss Minutes. It was, like, a little animated video with Miss Minutes um, talking about how, like, you can call the TVA to go fix um, these mm. giant butterfly effects. I kind of want them to release something like that that's kind of like cutesy and like seems in world that's just like a very simple explanation of how it works. Like like a three minute video. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like A, it would be just like cute promotion, but then it's like if you have any problems like understanding on it, like understanding it, you can just go back and you're like, oh, here's this like little video and it doesn't even necessarily need to be like in a show just like having that as a reference would be nice or honestly even just like an actual printed version of like the tva manual that explains it the other yeah, i love your suggestion about a miss minutes video because the way they introduced like i th- keep thinking loki season one just how brilliant um that season was in explaining these weird concepts having miss minutes explain variants and various timelines and the multiverse of war and animated form just worked so perfectly so you know what Maybe before Deadpool 3, which is going to be about the multiverse and incursions and things, we could even see a Miss Minutes video, like, recapping the audience on the multiverse. Because, frankly, even, like, Quantumania was still confusing. It's just because it's something that 
really doesn't exist except in like vague possibilities. And I think it is hard for people to latch on to. Colton, what about you? Are people too confused by this? Are America's moms rioting? I don't think so. I, I think I have learned to accept that they are going to reveal what is important for us to know as far as how this stuff works. And really when you look back at like movies like Terminator and different time travel movies and stuff, those don't really make sense either if you put too much thought into it. So I, I think that could be maybe more of a me problem. What did with... you just say about Terminator? Terminator makes perfect sense. Okay, sure. Perfect. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Finish whatever you were saying that doesn't matter anymore. God. <laughs> All I meant was that I think as a fanboy, I guess, who does this for a living, I think I've been putting too much thought into, okay, well, if this is this and that's a sacred timeline and these timelines are in this timeline, it gives me a headache, honestly. So I'm, I'm kind of learning to just accept what they show in the show and go off of that. And the million questions I could think of for how this links to that, those are fun, but eventually you have to just stop and accept, okay, they're going to let us know what we need to know and how that makes the story work. And I, you spoke of Deadpool 3. I do think Deadpool 3 is going to be a moment where maybe we can see this whole thing explained to Deadpool. And maybe he can have like, you know, a lot of questions about, okay, but that doesn't make sense. Okay, but that doesn't right, make sense. Right, and right. then I, I think that would be a fun way to do it and introduce it to a more broad audience. And I think even in Loki, they've broken the fourth wall a little bit with how like when OB explains to Loki, oh, you've got to do this and you need a temporal aura extractor and all that. Mm -hmm. Loki goes, yeah, that like obviously <laughs> right, right, it, it's right. really confusing. So it's it's like they've kind of accepted that and I guess I'm going to as well. <laughs> True. And like the first, really first two episodes, but especially the first episode did a great job of setting us up for a lot of mysteries. Yeah, the first season was so much easier, I guess, to do this because the first mystery was, well, who the hell is, what the hell is this place? Who the hell are these people? Who's behind the TVA? And this season has this huge challenge of building on that and creating more mysteries that tie into the Marvel Cinematic Universe without being bogged down by it in the way that, I don't know, um, maybe Quantumania was a little bogged down in trying to connect Kang to everything else instead of just making him a villain in that movie. It certainly hurt our expectations of Kang in the future. Um, so looking forward, it's, this has been the most fun theory crafting I've done for Marvel since before Quantumania came out. Like, I'm having a blast just guessing what's going to happen in the show. Do either of you have any fun theories for what you think is in store for season three? I mean, we've seen things in the trailers with Victor Timely and stuff, but like, what the hell is even going on here, Colton? Uh, I have a fun idea that I'm, I'm kind of working on right now, but I, I can give it a little tease for it. Uh, I think that Loki, as we saw in his fight with Sylvie in the season one finale, it, he disagreed with Sylvie's decision to kill He Who Remains. He, he wanted to mm -hmm. hear, that, hear that out a little more. So I am wondering if we could see Loki inadvertently wind back up on the villain side of the story and help Kang the Conqueror who, or Victor Timely or whoever ascends to become He Who Remains all out of him wanting to save the multiverse. He, he could say and try to explain, I could see, oh, I could see like a great scene of him trying to explain to his brother, like, I, I'm not the bad guy here. I, I'm really, I've changed and I'm trying to do what's right. I've seen things you don't understand. And I think it'd be cool to see Loki like 
inadvertently become kind of like a henchman to Kang, sort of like he was to Thanos, but mm. it, it's all out of a desire to now do the right thing. It's not out of like a selfish reason now. It's he's trying to do good. So I, I think maybe we could see that. And maybe in this season, we'll get to see that fight come back up between Sylvie and Loki because they never really resolved that. They, they still yeah, kind of seem still, to be yeah, yeah. Yeah, on opposite sides of how to handle this. So uh, I, I think maybe we could see a scene where Loki like snaps and throws in her face like, hey, if you hadn't killed him, this wouldn't be happening right now. So don't be mad at me or something like that. Brian, how about you? Is there do you have any theories going forward on what's going to happen or where you want to see it go? Um, this might be kind of it might be kind of out there, and I almost like I'm almost nervous to say it, but I kind of wonder if Ob's going to end up being a bad guy because mm. we've talked multiple times about how this series will probably end up being kind of an Ouroboros. And then we have a, it's like the first um, name, like the name of the first episode. And then we have a character whose name's literally Ouroboros. And we've like been wondering like who told Docs. And Obi's like an interesting character because he actually doesn't really need to be from the future. He knows what will happen. One of the things he says when they go down stairs is we're all going to die. Um, mm. He knows from the inside what will happen because he knows how the TVA works. Um, so I kind of wonder if he's going to, like, also do, thinking he's doing the right thing, but also try to, like, get back to the sacred timeline in order to, sa like, save everybody uh, so it doesn't, like, implode. Because he was already really struggling to retrofit the device. So the easier mm -hmm. thing would be just get back to one timeline and there's no need for a new device. And also he's been working on it for like a million years. So it is sort of his like life's work, even though mm -hmm. I know like lives are kind of weird in the TVA, but you know, like vaguely it's his life work and he clearly really cares about it. So I don't think he wants to see it destroyed at all. Yeah, and we did see, you know, the vision of the future that the TVA is about to be destroyed uh, in the future. But like if you like you said, if it is a giant Ouroboros and the future is the past, the past is the future. Um, the interesting thing about OB is he doesn't seem like his memory's been wiped. He remembers Mobius. Mobius doesn't remember him. So I th wonder where that's going to come into play. If, like, he's the one who maybe, like you said, is the secret villain because he has, like, knowledge of the entirety of, like, this whole Ouroboros loop. I'm, I'm anxious to see the scene where Mobius meets OB, like, in the past. I, I think oh, we're totally. still going to see that in the show. Yeah, I'm mm -hmm. excited to see that. Well, I want to thank both of you uh, for joining me. Uh, you have to follow Colton and Brianna on socials. Everything is listed below. But now I want to tell you about my theory for how this is going to end and how Sylvie can end up being like the real villain of this show. So here's my theory. Let's think about Sylvie for a second. She is now running away from her responsibilities. She's lived her entire life surrounded by death, and now she wants to live her life. I want to try everything. I get that. But we also saw the pain on her face when the timelines were being destroyed. And the way she touched the one who remains tent pad at the end, it's like she's thinking of a plan. Now, Sylvie wants to be left alone, but she also wants to keep the timeline safe. She is a compassionate person who does not want anyone else to suffer. I mean, heck, look at the compassion she showed for her fellow variant, B-15. I looked happy. So I think Sylvie is forming a plan. Maybe she was even looking at the temp pad and realizing that she has the power to become the new He Who Remains. Loki told her that he time slipped. So now she realizes that this temp pad allows her to travel back in time to the past or future TVA. Okay, so what does that mean? Bring it home. Well, I think she's gonna use the temp pad to go into the future and save Loki because he told her that they will see each other in the future. And in the future, she will see the TVA being destroyed and she'll realize that she needs to protect the multiverse and to prevent the multiverse 
Tulsa war from ever happening. I mean, if her whole deal is protecting variants and variant timelines, then she wouldn't want to see all those different timelines go to war and destroy each other. Instead, I think that Sylvie would think that she could run the TVA, but do it better. Remember, the TVA exists to make sure that there is ever only one variant of Kang the Conqueror, he who remains. But in Sylvie's new TVA, that would not be their mission. They would be attempting to make sure that no version of he who remains ever existed. That way, there could be a full multiverse without the multiversal war. But to do this, she would have to get rid of the TVA as it was. Erase it Etch-a-Sketch style, so to speak. So what's the one thing we know about all the TVA workers? They are variants who have had their memories wiped. Exactly. But we've never seen Kang have the power to wipe people's minds. But Sylvie can. I think that Sylvie travels back in time to the past TVA. She defeats the Kang variant who is controlling it, and then she's going to wipe everybody's memories by enchanting them. But then Victor Timely, aka the Kang variant from the Quantumania post credit scene, is going to seize the TVA for himself. The recording in episode one. You are quite a marvel. That was Victor Timely. So now Victor Timely will become he who remains, create the timekeepers, and will ultimately set Sylvie on her path because that path paves the way for Victor Timely. Remember, he who remains said this. I paved the road. He paved the way for Sylvie so Sylvie could pave the way for him. And he has done this like thousands of times before, like he said. Ah, uh, yeah, nah, this whole thing is a circle, but not a real circle. More like a freaky circle. And I think that once Sylvie realizes what's happening, that she's going to lose control of the TVA, she would be the person to warn Docs. But the warning would be incomplete. She wouldn't get to finish saying what happened at the end of time. She would just time slip or be erased from existence. And thanks again to Magic Spoon for sponsoring this video. Just a reminder, scan the QR code on screen right now and use the code ScreenCrush for $5 off your high protein treats. Or go to magicspoon.com slash ScreenCrush today to try the Magic Spoon treats and cereal. So let me know what you guys thought of all this. What are your thoughts? Let me know in the comments below or at me on Twitter. And if it's your first time here, please subscribe, smash that bell for alerts. For Screen Crush, I'm Ryan Airy.